0: Welcome Dr. James Beckett sports card insights this is part two of the allure of discount boxes with rich Klein. We're going to talk about why we like that. And it's a free world. Anybody can do it. Not everybody would enjoy it though. So we're going to talk about why we would have a tendency to enjoy it and why you may too. So thanks sponsors Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Burbank's Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Panini, tops, and upper deck. So Rich, in the previous episode, talking about the attention span and that you obviously have it because you were so uh, committed to the almanacs and the price guides as I was over many years. So you're obviously able to take on a big task, getting up and walking around, changing positions and not being sedentary for eight straight hours. But not everybody can do that. And that's required. If there's a monster box, I will go through one row very quickly to see if it's worth continuing. Is that the same strategy you have? Knowing that if that row is pretty good, you're gonna keep going. I gonna not even finish the row.
1: But I might also glance at the rest of the box just to say, did I hit a bad row or something? Okay. And it's fun to see whether you're right or not. You can usually tell after a certain point, a row is usually a good indication. Sometimes it's two or three rows even. If you fly through it, okay, this is gonna definitely be worth doing when I hit the second row. I'll muddle through the first one and then hit the second or the third row and really start flying.
0: Uh, I agree. One other issue is about dexterity. I've always wondered about carpal tunnel or things like that, where you're doing these repetitive, very small muscle motion, hand, wrist, maybe your shoulders get tight, but you're doing the same thing of flipping through cards. Generally, people do that from right to left, whichever their preference is. But if the cards are not penny sleeved and they stick together a little bit, that's frustrating. So do you have that same frustration? It depends on the cards.
1: and And I know what you mean, especially with the UV coating of the 90s.
0: I can go twice as fast if the cards are penny-sleeved. But what slows me down is if I've got to flip the cards over. So I'm going through like a deck of cards, but I've got to flip it over some of the time. If it's all the time, I, I think I wouldn't do this. But when it's some cards, you think, oh... And it's not necessarily a variation on the back or serial numbering on the back, but it can be. The only thing with penny sleeves, you have to be careful. Penny sleeves are slippery. And they can slip right out of your hand. Yeah, I've had that happen. In fact, that's part of my exercise program of (laughs) dropping a card every so often and having to do a deep bend uh, to pick it up. I think we share this. Uh, We we don't have a disrespect for grading at all, but this is not the place to go to get cards for grading purposes. Correct. Here's the other
1: thing. we are being contrarians when we do the discount box it was a long tail because of a show like kyle's show and i know this from people who come to my table in today's world 50 60 70 percent when i say they're asking for the same card that's not entirely true yeah. but they're asking for the same type of card. same players
0: you know, well not necessarily
1: the same players some i had somebody who said they wanted all the 55 key all americans okay i had somebody else said you have a Unitas rookie so mm-hmm. it's not okay. necessarily the same players, but it's the same general principle. I had a couple of people ask me for Jim Brown cards. At least they were don't not look just, in the discount box. So I found going,
0: one, but it was a reprint. Or so a,
1: they're not yeah. going to if they're looking for a Jim Brown card, which is fifty-eight to sixty-five or sixty-six, they're not going to look in a discount box yeah. for anything like that. <laughs> so you're pretty safe in terms of you're going to have less competition
0: because we're not dealing with the flippers. You know, right. the flipper is not going to look in a discount box. Well, even so, it's not that they're well handled. It's just that people are going through them. By definition, they're not untouched if they're in a, in a exactly. discount box. And when I set up the discount boxes, I have every card in a penny sleeve
1: because I want to okay. make it as friendly as possible for the person buying the card.
0: Do you think people going through the discount boxes like us have a budget?
1: Yes and no. I think it, it, it depends. And when I say yes and no, hopefully nobody including you and I, are spending what we call our household budget. Hopefully everything you're spending on the discount boxes, whether it's $10, or it can be $1,000 if you find that many cards, hopefully that is all money that is income, not necessarily income that you need to pay your
0: bills, it's income you've put away. But I, but I do think most people, uh, both of us, we're in we're not exactly in the same situation. Obviously, but the higher the nominal price, the more conservative I'm going to be. It just makes Correct. good business sense. And I think other people do that. But I, so I'm not budget constrained as much as I'm good deal constrained. I think we're the same way on okay. that. We're good okay. deal. Okay. I think we both have understanding wives. The whole wife and family home situation is such that I know if I come home with boxes of cards, not box of cards, but boxes of cards, my very understanding, awesome wife, wants to know what what's going on here. I thought you were going to have less cards. Yes, eventually I am going to have less cards. But do you get that same situation? I'm
1: allowed to have cards in my office. Like, okay, you okay. Like we'll call this your office. Well, this, this, this is up, like my, my office, office. Yeah. I am really not supposed to, unless it's a special situation, have anything outside my office. So I have to okay. deal with what... Well, I'm similar. I have to deal with what can fit in my office. There are occasions where... I do have to, and and I'll say this is a staging place for two or three days before
0: I move them, to put cards somewhere else. But for the most part, they go into my office, and they stay in my office. Okay, I've done the math for me, so I'm going to see if you're the same. But if I spend X number of hours in buying these cards from the discount boxes, which is a subset of the term of the show, and I bring them home, my processing time is roughly equivalent. Would you say that's true for you? I I if it took me five hours to pull the cards. It's going to take five hours to... Figure out what pile they go in.
1: I think for me, it's longer even longer. It's even longer Good. And and this wasn't a discount box, but I was at Nick's on Saturday And Nick's is a very nice store and they have these yeah. I don't want to call them grab bags But they have these bags where they put cards and they put a price tag on them And I, I always buy them sometimes I do better than others these, these actually took me less time. It still took me more time than it did to buy the bag But there were a couple bags of 1978 once I got them at the number order Actually, I forgot when we mentioned a pile. I have a fifth pile at home. And it's a pile of stuff. I give to Eddie Kelly where, for what? For signatures? Eddie, yes. So he can send them, like, Heritage oh. and 70s stuff. So I actually yeah. have a fifth. You asked about pulling stuff. Well, right, I sometimes right, buy right. stuff for Eddie. Okay. I have to give him stuff again. But I pulled the 70s that weren't going to go into either my back stock pile or the price that I was going to put out for sale, and I put them in that pile. So once I put the cards I was going to price in number order, it may have been 45 minutes to deal with the entire group of 78s I bought
0: because a lot of them were in numbered order to start with. That saves a lot of time. That saves a lot of time. Uh, okay. We talked about sustainability of this aspect of the hobby that you've been through this discount box, you pulled a few cards or a bunch of cards. In the worst case, is there any doubt in your mind, you could turn around and sell the subset that you purchased for at least what you paid for. Them? That's always the goal. That's what well, would would you would you ever think that I chose so poorly that I wouldn't be able to get my money back. No, but I've made mistakes, and so have you. But for the most part, we're going to end up
1: at the very worst breaking even with anything we buy. And at the I mean- very least. But if the- you bought the whole box
0: for even half price, you you could have a lot more losers. I that. could have a lot more losers. Yeah. So that- Okay. This reminds me, just this whole exercise of one of the the golden age for me of hobby, I think, was when I was buying collections back before price guides and all that stuff. And it was a similar thing. You'd have a certain amount of time to go through somebody's collection that they brought in from your ad in the paper. They said, here's my collection, some shoe boxes. You'd have to look through the boxes. It wasn't for the purpose of pulling a few cards at a buck each. It was for how much you were going to pay for the whole collection. But you had to have that same skill to be able to see, hey, there's a good card. There's a good card. There's a good card. And then there were some cards not as good. And to be able to, on the fly, come up with, on a quick scan, something to make an offer, and then they either accept it or reject it.
1: In the 1980s, we did something similar. And this is even after the Beckett Price Guides, before I came to work. We would look at a collection, and what we thought we could immediately turn over is what we would offer for the lot or the collection. In other words, if we had 72 Garvey's and 72 Carews, which were very popular at the time, or 73 Schmitt's were in yeah. there, or 70 yeah. Munson and you go through the- That was your base. And you know that was your base.
0: Your baseline (laughs) uh,
1: floor. Hey, I I can sell these four cards for $250. Those will be really reasonably quick sale. I can offer $250. If they moan, I'll move it to $275. So it's a pretty similar function. When you look at enough stuff, you can figure out, hey, I, I can get $250 for the key cards. I'll
0: pay $250 for the lot. And then whatever I do with the rest is gravy. Okay. But again, what I'm trying to contrast is that- those were simpler days. Yes, they were. You either bought it or you didn't. I can't even imagine in those days if you'd offer two fifty and they'd say no, and then you offer two seventy five and they say no, that you would say okay, how about two seventy five for the Carew and the Schmidt and the Munson just only? I think the person would freak out. Yes, very much. So. But in the discount box thing, we get to do exactly that. Yes, not at that level because we're not looking at hundred dollar discount boxes or whatever. So. Our trained eye is seeing what we like, and we're fashioning a price either per card or for the lot based on that. i have had a lot of school. You've had a lot of school. I don't want to go to school anymore. Not only do I not want to take any tests anymore, I don't want to make up any tests. I don't want to grade any tests. I've been a professor. But this is the only fun test that I can think of. It's a test of dexterity. It's a test of my recall. It's a test of my understanding of the sports card market. I think it's like panning for gold, it is. except it's not gold nuggets, it's gold dust. Because and if the, there were nuggets, they wouldn't be in there. And here's the other thing. It's fun to do If you're of the right mindset, it's fun
1: to do that. It's fun to look and say, I see this card, and I like this. And You've told me, and we'll throw him out as an example. I think you said Jeff Kunkel lives a couple blocks from here. No, but I know him. So if you're looking through a discount box, and you see a really weird Jeff Kunkel card pops up, I, I pulled him, yeah. You, you might pull yes, him, not yes. because it's... Because I'll see him. Because you'll see him at some yeah. point. And, and I so, can,
0: he could sign him or I could give him to him right. or whatever.
1: Yeah. And people like that are fun. I, I know Pat Combs. You arranged for him to do right, one of my right, shows right. back in that day. So I'll pull Pat yeah. Combs cards just because they're fun to do. Yeah. There's other reasons to look. And you say, oh, this is fun. And I never saw this Pat Combs card. Or I never saw this Jeff Kunkel card before. Actually, it was Buck Showalter. You said lives, lives not that far from you either. And when we opened yeah, the archives yeah. box, okay. I pulled a Buck Showalter autograph card. That was fun to see. And it was even more funny here, he still lives in, in, in the DFW area instead of one of the other
0: places that he's managed. Okay, got a test for you. You've got a, three monster boxes here. One is a dollar box, one is a quarter box, one is a dime box. If I tell you that there are in the dollar box, one out of every 10 cards, you might be able to retail for $10 eventually. My guess is you're going to want to look through that box. I will. Cause be- you think you could pick out some of those. You gotta go fast enough cause it's a monster box. Yes. Okay. So everybody I think is gonna dig in on that. The, the ability to be able to recognize which one, cause the other nine are not. The other one, nine could be dogs. Okay. Now, you go to the 25 cent box. Now, one out of every hundred cards <laughs> is a $10 card, but it's only a quarter. Okay. So the quarter box, one out of a hundred, you gotta, you have to look at the 99 to find the one. You're still gonna be interested in that box. Yeah, Or are you gonna think that's not worth it. I'll probably find other stuff too. Okay. Okay. And then lastly, in the dime box, there's a one in a thousand chance that there'd be a $10 card in there. That means in a monster box, there's a four or five $10 cards in there, but it's going to take you a couple hours or an hour or so to go through it. Do you do that one too? Yeah. If I, I have the time, do them in that order. If I have the time, yes. And because the price point on the dime
1: is cheaper, I'd, I'd be happy to do that because then I might find other things too, in addition to the $10 card. If they're just all bulk commons, and then the odds then obviously you would do the higher priced one first but if you're assuming it's a normal discount box you would do them whatever order
0: you feel comfortable we talked about why dealers would do this i think that dealers also have time constraints that they can't look up every card what I find is that if it's a limited interest player, they think, Gee, even if it's serially numbered or some other color or an insert, to spend the time to look it up, how expensive could it be? They can't put it in their showcase. It's not good enough to go in the showcase. It's not signed. It's not a memorabilia card in most cases. So they just put it in the pile of, I'm not going to look it up. But maybe it's worth more than a dollar, but it's not worth me looking it up to find out that it's a two-dollar card instead of a one-dollar card. I had a shock the other day. I bought at the show a twenty-twenty update box at a reasonable
1: price point. Yeah, I had never busted it. The price point was reasonable. I had done enough money at the show where I could afford really yeah. to have some fun. I pulled a griffy update Griff- twenty-twenty update Griffey camo number two seventy-six. What they call camouflage. It's a camo. Okay. That's, That's a good card. It's a really good card. I didn't think it would be that. So pay good. for your box, maybe. Yeah, it did pay for okay. my box. I would have never thought until I looked it up that it would have paid for my box. I would have thought it might But you would have be- looked it up. I would have looked it
0: up. And a dealer would not put that in a dollar box because it's griffy and it's numbered. So you don't expect but, to find that. No, but he might put it in a five or ten dollar box. He might, but are you finding that? Sometimes. It, that I, depends. Because sometimes
1: if you get somebody let's just say somebody specializes in basketball. Yeah. And they end up with a bunch of baseball, which does happen nowadays. They he, don't know it as well. And they don't know it as well. Right, they okay. might do something like that.
0: Okay. Rich had a successful ripping. <laughs> uh, why can't I pull some of those things? Uh, occasionally, I get a good pull. But like I said, my going through a monster box is equivalent to, again, I'm getting a pig and a poke. I don't know what I'm going to get. I look in there, and it's like opening a giant pack of $5,000 cards that I get to pay $50 to pick 50 cards out of there. So uh, good note to end on. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, uh, listeners. Be back tomorrow with another episode. The man
1: in the house of